Just, as I, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Stand. Be the church we always should have been. How do I reach my LGBTQ plus friends or family with the gospel? Um, or how do we as church reach the 20% of Generation Z who identify as LGBTQ plus? Now, there are some people who suggest, you know, maybe we should shift our posture, adopt the words and language of the world around us, and be a little less alien. But I believe that we are called to be the exact opposite. We need to realize that we are strangers and exiles on earth. Maybe our uniqueness is what is attractive. Perhaps we shouldn't adopt the blandness of the rainbow world and truly be salt and light. Maybe being out of step with a world that a lot of people aren't totally excited about. In a world where they're handing out porn for sex education in school, maybe swimming against the current is better than drifting along with the flood. How do we reach this world? We don't change forward in that we adopt a posture or stance to be more inclusive, but instead we look back to be the church that we were always called to be by Jesus Christ, friend of sinners and tax collectors. We reach LGBTQ people by simply being the church we are called to be and that we, one, love our enemies, two, seek the lost, and three, stand in the truth. Now today I'm going to tell you a singular story, we're going to make a little detours in the story, but of one person who lived a lesbian life for quite some time but found lasting change through the good news of Jesus Christ. We'll see how Jesus, through the work of a, a pastor and a simple church, nothing special about the church, but a church being the church, reached out to her in love, listened to her, all the while standing in the life-changing truth that Jesus Christ can set us free from every sin, including sins of identity. So, Rosaria Butterfield, that's her married name. She had a different name then, but she was perhaps the most unlikely person to come to Christ that I could ever think of. First of all, she was one of those, you know, coastal elites that we out here in the West are suspicious of, a liberal through and through, a professor of, at Syracuse University teaching what else? women's and gender studies, the same women's studies who figured out that women don't exist as we learned last week. She was in a long-term lesbian relationship in which she shared a house with a woman. She was a, a Unitarian Universalist, a church so liberal that it makes the United Church look like a bunch of Bible-thumping wingnuts. She, she was the coordinator 
of the gay and lesbian advocacy group at said Syracuse University. She specialized in queer and critical theory, and she often would give keynote addresses at gay pride marches. Okay, so we're getting the picture. You can probably fill in the rest, the butch haircut and the sort of angry sneer. Now, it's an important point to see here when we think about this person, because while, as I've said all along, that we are truly in an ideological war, a war of ideas, we must remember, like Jesus Christ, to love our enemies. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Like, I should have this plastered on the inside of my eyelids sometimes. But the people marching in, or even organizing pride parades are people that Christ is calling to himself. You know, we might, and we often are tempted to just write people up, be like, wow, that lady, the professor, like way too far. But God delights in saving people out of the farthest country. And Christ's blood is certainly rich enough to cover every one of their sins as it was rich enough to cover ours. Now, during this time living in this world, Rosaria had almost no contact with Christians, other than the occasional student who would refuse, refuse to read material uh, about same-sex couples, and the Christians who would picket gay pride marches with signs all about the kinds of people God hates. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, sometimes as believers, we're tempted to, we're tempted in this like political realm to go along with anyone who holds like a conservative sexual ethic, even though they're not Christians. And we have to be really careful here because although we are in an ideological war, it says, you know, an enemy of my enemy is my friend. We do not fight as the world fights. We do not overcome evil with evil. We do not raise the stakes because the other side is raising them. We conquer by the blood of the lamb. We overcome evil with good. Now, Rosaria thought at, at this point that Christians were anti-intellectual. They offended her class values, and they were heartless, offending her emotional center. She said, the lesbian community was accepting and welcoming, while the Christian community appeared exclusive, judgmental, scornful, and afraid of diversity. Now, I already told you the ending of the story, and I spoiled it a bit, but Rosaria is going to join this community. But I am afraid that often these critiques can be too true. It is very easy to hate our enemies. It's easy to look down with scorn and judgment whose sin looks a little different than ours. We need to remember the truth of the gospel that in Christ we are forgiven of sin and 
We can be in some measure set free from sin, but without God's grace, we are just them in a different suit. We have no cause to look down on anyone, for we without Christ are just as dead in our trespasses and sins, even if that means sins of a good job and a correct marriage. Because all of us are lost for that one sentence, but God, being rich in his mercy, because of the great love which with, with which he loved us, by the way, while we were still enemies, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. We spent three weeks primarily focused on how we're not going to affirm people's lifestyles, no matter what letter, gay, lesbian, trans, or liars, or prideful, prideful, all must bow to Christ. While we do not affirm, we must offer the good news of Jesus Christ to all. For God desires all to come to repentance, to find faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. We are welcoming, but not affirming. The LGBTQ are just people, people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and follow him as their Lord. Okay, so where were we? we uh, Rosaria, typical coastal elite, university, haircut. Okay, where do things begin to change? This is where, strangely enough, the promise keepers come into, because the promise keepers were having like a convention, and she, as a good, you know, coastal elite, wrote an article in the newspaper criticizing these manly promise keepers people, all the, you know, this, you know, they didn't, I don't know if they had toxic masculinity back then, but something. And so she wrote this letter in the, in the Syracuse newspaper, and after it, she received hate mail and fan mail for the letter, or for the article. And, and this was in the 90s, and kids, I'll explain it to you. People used to write things on paper <laughs> and put it in the mail and send it to people, even public figures. It's like people wrote letters of fan mail to people, and then they would write it about things that people wrote in these newspapers where people will find out what is happening in the world a couple of days after it had happened. Now, she got one letter that was a problem. Not because it was hate mail, she knew where to put that. Not because it was fan mail, she knew where to put that. But it was from Ken, who was the pastor of the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. Now, they're like the most conservative Presbyterians. And it was like, it was different than everything else because it was direct, but it was kind. It asked, how did you arrive at your interpretations? How do you know that you are right? Do you believe in God? His, he questions Rosaria's presuppositions instead of merely stating his ideas in contrast to others. Now, it's an important point, and in the first sermon, I dealt mostly with the false assumptions and false presuppositions of the LGBTQ movement, the biggest of which is that the assumption that our inborn desires must be right, 
when the Bible actually says are wrong. Now, everyone knows that some of our desires are wrong, as anyone who's dealt with a five-year-old who's trying to tell them not to hit knows. But this kind and thoughtful letter from Pastor Ken to the liberal women's studies professor made her think. And, and it's something I think we undervalue a little bit in evangelism. And we, we think about evangelism as like, like okay, we're going to like tell this story, and we're going to have our script, and we're just going like, to like hit them with a gospel, baby. But we undervalue the effectiveness of a good question. And what's the meaning of life? You know, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been walking and, and you've gotten like a pebble in your shoe. You get like a pebble in your shoe, you're walking along, and pretty soon it feels like a giant rock is in your shoe. You're walking out here, you get annoyed enough, you take it up. And sometimes evangelism, like, like pre-evangelism maybe, it's just asking a good question. Putting a pebble in someone's shoe that they're going to like recognize and ask the kind of questions. Who's Jesus really? What's the point of life? Sometimes the right kind of questions lead people further than giving them the right answers to the questions that they're not asking yet. Now Rosaria had a, a neatly filed system and she had a, a file folder and one that was marked fan mail and one folder that was marked hate mail and then there was this letter on her desk, and she didn't know where to put it. Now, for her neat and tidy sensibilities, this was a problem. After about a week, she decided to take the letter and put it in the trash. But she just couldn't leave it there, and so she pulled it out, and there it sat on her desk. Till finally, she gave up, threw in the towel, and she phoned Pastor Ken to see what in the world was going on here. Taking the pebble out of her shoe and called Ken. Now they talked on the phone, it went well, but then Ken did something bold and invited her to come and talk in person at their home or a restaurant if she preferred. And it's something that's, that's key to this story. It's something we, we miss as well in evangelism is that we think of evangelism as going out. And now it is going out, go out to all the world. But there's also a come and see aspect of evangelism. Inviting unbelievers into our lives, bringing them home, and showing them the truth. Just like Jesus, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Go after the one who was lost. Oh, it's great to have fellowship in the church, and that's what we're having this week. We're having a barbecue and enjoying other companies. But we cannot neglect the one for the 99. Ken here, like, I just imagine, like he opens up a dialogue with a professor of women's studies, a lesbian at a fancy university, and invites her to his own home. And this is the kind of attitude that we need to have. 
If we're going to show the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, there has to be so many Kens here who are willing to open their doors and invite people and see, hey, this is Jesus Christ lived out day by day. It's not just about LGBTQ people. Because I said at the beginning, being the church that reaches the LGBTQ is just being the church that we're called to be. Standing firm in the word of God, but offering hope to broken sinners, not condemnation. Loving our enemies because God loved us while we were still enemies. We should be known as the people of hope, the people that love each other. So Rosaria at the time was starting to research for her next book. And her next book was going to be a, you know, 90s women's studies, a takedown of the religious right to reveal the, the, the bigots for what they were. And so she thought, you know, maybe going to this pastor's house would be good for her research. You know, scout out, see how the enemy lives. Now, Ken's wife, Floyd, made a vegetarian stir-fry, because Rosaria was, obviously, whole picture, a vegetarian. Rosaria writes the most memorable thing about the, about the meal, other than how kind and gentle they were, was the prayer. Never pass up an opportunity to pray. Like, invite people in your house, like, just pray. Like, you know, you know most people aren't against prayer. She said, I'd never heard anyone pray to God as if God cared, as if God listened, and as, and as if God answered. It's amazing the things that strike people. It's good advice about the prayers we pray. God cares, God listens, God answers. Amen. Ken and Floyd were not people that Rosaria could file away into her hate mail folder. Oh, that's, that should be a goal of ours. Yes, they were committed believers. They were smart and lively. And uh, I, I have to just excerpt a whole paragraph that Rosaria writes about them. They said, Ken and Floyd did something at that, that meal that has a long Christian history, but has been functionally lost in too many Christian homes. Ken and Floyd invited the stranger in, not to scapegoat me, but to listen and learn how to dialogue. Ken and Floyd have a vulnerable and transparent faith. We didn't debate worldview. We talked about our personal truth and about what makes us tick. Ken and Floyd didn't identify with me. They listened to me and identified with Christ. Now, did I mention that Ken and Floyd were in their 70s when this conversation happened? Their 70s. We don't need to understand the, every letter of the alphabet to reach the world. We need to listen and identify with Christ. We need to be quick to hear, slow to speak. It's not a sin to be inquisitive and hear people's stories. It's like, just here, you know, what's your story? You know, I, I, I don't need sensitivity training, and I, I don't think we need that. But we do need to listen to the stories of the people that God puts in our path. 
So listen, hey, what happened? We need to be as inquisitive and listen like Jesus did when he met the woman at the well in Samaria, pointing to the truth, but listening to each person's story without judgment. After all, it's not our place to judge the world. Only Christ does that. So, so this first meal didn't end with a, a movie like confession and repentance and instant life change. It didn't even end with Ken exactly sharing the gospel. But it opened up a world to Rosaria where faith could become possible. Now, they continued meeting. They, they talked, they, they studied the Bible, they became friends. Ken and Floyd went to Rosaria's house, met her friends, even drag queen friends. And Rosaria got to meet some of Ken and Floyd's friends. Even some, she discovered Christians who worked at the university. Eventually, Rosaria became curious about one aspect of Ken and Floyd, their church. And, and she thought it might be good to understand something about the religious nature of the religious right, and she's going to write a book about it. She was curious if uh, Presbyterians spoke in tongues and rolled in the aisles. <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about Presbyterians, but, but no, and most especially Reformed Presbyterians. She was hesitant, but she wasn't sure if she'd be welcomed with her butch haircut, her jeans, and her NARAL bumper sticker, her, you know, pro-abortion bumper stickers on her car. So at first, she went to Starbucks, which was across from the church, and she just watched. She realized after a while that she'd become a church stalker. <laughs> now, her friends in the in the gay community, were not so happy with her sudden fraternizing with the enemy. But there's one person, uh, I just gotta mention, cause it's just like, I have no idea what to do with this part of the story. It was one person who was a trans woman, that is a man who dresses like a woman, revealed to her when she was talking about faith, that Rosaria, I know that Jesus is a risen and living Lord. I was a Presbyterian minister for 15 years. During that time, I prayed that the Lord would heal me. He didn't, but maybe he'll heal you. I'll pray for you. And uh, he also gave Rosaria his theological library. Now God was at work. On February 14, 1999, Rosaria rolled out of bed from her lesbian lover and an hour later was sitting in the church pews of Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian. You never know someone's perilous journey to get here. Now, this is a point where maybe we have to have a little bit of a discussion about the church. And, and we don't want to miss the point because... Like, just coming here doesn't make you a part of the church. Not exactly. Our, our services are constructed so that anyone can come, atheist, Buddhist, queer, or respectfully dressed transgender. If you're not causing problems and you want to hear about Jesus, 
Welcome, sincerely, welcome. Becoming doesn't make you part of a church. And, and that's why people who are, are sinners, even unrepentant sinners, are welcome to come and hear. You can roll out of bed from whomever and come to church. But that's where we draw a distinction here about membership. A membership, church membership, is a formal recognition about what is, about being part of us. It doesn't create it, it recognizes it. A, a member of our church is someone committed to our church, that we're committed to them. And we have a membership process to recognize this. And one of the big reasons we have this, and it's important, is that this lets people who are wondering, seeking, take part, and we have no judgment for you because you are not totally of us. You're, you're curious. We'd like you to be of us. Now, for people who take the step and join with membership, it means they are committed in such a way that, one, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Two, they are seeking to follow him the best they can in such a way that they are not living in open sin. Now, if there's a member who's just living in sin and not repenting of it, like we have to deal with that fact. And so the person rolling out of bed from whomever maybe said, like, no, like you can't be a member until you, until you deal with this situation honestly and, and truly. So that way we are able to be welcoming to all and yet having the standards of, like, you need to be living, striving towards Christ. Now, nobody's perfect. Like, every one of us sin all of the time, you know, how, how deep sin goes. But the thing is, people who are repentant, no matter how many times you're, you're repentant, you are welcome here. But we will not let people flaunt, flaunt lifestyles that are opposed to God's command. So we hold everything in the Bible that's true. We welcome all, even those living in unrepentant sin, as long as they, you know, generally respect what we do. If you're a nudist, like you have to put on clothes to come to church, I'm sorry. And then we welcome all into membership who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are striving to live in holiness, repenting where they fall short. Okay, so, all right, lesbian at church, and, and like us, this church was happy with the situation because they're waiting for the Spirit to work, and wow, as Rosaria started coming to church, the Spirit worked. After a couple of weeks checking things out, God was working in her, and, and this was Rosaria's prayer. I prayed that if Jesus was truly a real and risen God, that he would change my heart. I prayed for the strength of character to repent for a sin that I didn't, that at that time didn't feel like sin at all. I asked him to take it all. My sexuality, my profession, my community, my tastes, my books, and my tomorrows. And he did, in fact, all of those things. This is what coming to Christ is. You know, we don't have like, there's just a select group of sins like, no, it's like, no, you come to Jesus as you are. You don't need anything to come. But when you come to Christ, everything must submit to the lordship of him. Not just a few select bad sins, but you need to say, Jesus, take it all. 
my job, my money, my family, all of it belongs to you. You are my Lord. Now, Rosaria was still at this time in a long-term relationship with a woman whom she lived with and owned a house together with. Now, she didn't stop feeling like a lesbian, but she learned a secret, and it's not hard. It's an important secret that we all need to learn. And that is when you step out in obedience, God changes our hearts and minds. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking of my own authority. Now, there's a lot in this verse, but all to say is this, if your will is to do God's will, you step out in obedience, then God gives the knowledge later. If you step out in obedience, you will start to understand Jesus' teaching. Whatever the thing, whatever you struggle with, obedience often follows often comes before understanding don't wait to understand what god god commands and then obey obey and god will give you understanding so rosario obeyed she broke up with her girlfriend and threw herself into the church i noticed the church here didn't compromise on anything they were still the same church the whole time all they did was love and they cared They welcomed, but they stood on God's word, which is why we love our enemies. It's why we seek the lost, because God's word leads us to love. We stand in the truth without flinching. Like, don't be embarrassed about the church's teaching on sexuality. In fact, more and more, I, you know, they had the whole thing last week. If you you heard about it with like the sex education stuff over uh, just in one of the towns nearby. And my big question was like, well, why was that wrong? By what standard will you say what's that wrong? You know, I can't even like mention any of the things described because it's not appropriate. But we can say, (laughs) we can say what's right and wrong. And that is an attractive thing. We have a good way to live. So Rosaria threw herself into church. Things were hard, but God worked. It almost all blew up the one day when she invited a transgender person to church. But the process for an LGBTQ person to come to Christ is just like any other. Repenting of sin, learning about Christ, sins of identity of many dimensions that unravel in different ways. But the process is the same for everyone. Repent, believe, learn to trust, repent and believe again, and so on the Christian life. Rosaria found mentors. Women to teach her how to literally be a woman, something that she had never been taught, something, in fact, the world can't even teach. And finally, Rosaria became a member of the church, which is an awesome thing to join with the fellowship. You know, if, uh, if you ever wanted to like fight the Russian army, so to be like, hey, you know, I'm just gonna pick up one person, say, Emmett. And we're going to be like, Emmett wants to fight the Russians, we're going to just send Emmett. Emmett, we're going to just drop you in Russia, and you fight them. (laughs) Well, that's not going to work. It's not like the movies, it's not like Rambo. You just get, like, shot in the leg, and then they come up, pow, you're, like, gone. It's done. (laughs) That's what happens. Sorry, Emmett. But don't go fighting in wars by yourself. But we sometimes think, people think out there, it's like, oh, I'm going to come to Christ. I learned this on the newspaper, or I, learned, I, I watched a TV program. I said the prayer. And they think, I'm going to live the Christian life 
going to war against the world, the flesh, and the devil by myself. And it's not going to work. The devil is too practiced. The world is too bad. It's not going to work. So Rosaria joined the church, and her life changed. How do we reach LGBTQ people? By simply being the church that we are called to be. Love even our enemies and definitely our neighbor. Seek the lost. Stand in the truth. How did one liberal lesbian professor at a women's studies program come to, church, come to Christ? Well, ultimately, God calls, God draws, but God uses means. He used the hospitality of a pastoral couple who loved, listened, and sought the lost. God used a church but, that welcomed but didn't affirm. Rosarius, she, she calls her, her conversion a train wreck with so many difficult times, but following Christ was never supposed to be easy. The whole narrow road thing is real, but God can do all things. Now, the sermon altogether is a few things. One is just to be the church that we're called to be, is the church to reach the world today. But more than that, the story is a story of hope. That even the most unlikely people can have their lives radically changed by the power of the gospel. And if you need that hope, hope, like Jesus saves all. All who will come, trust him, come to his cleansing powers great enough to cover every one of your sins. If you feel like you're not worthy, that's exactly who Christ died to save. And his sanctifying power by the Holy Spirit is enough to change your life in every single way. Now the end of Rosaria's story, and there were struggles, many. In fact, she, she met... Uh, a Christian man had wedding plans, ministry plans, and it all blew up a few months before their marriage. And yet she persevered and somewhere along the line, teaching at Geneva College, she met another man, his name Kent Butterfield. Not the last name. What about him? She writes, well, I can't say much. But to quote my favorite 19th century heroine, Jane Eyre, I have only this to say about Kent Butterfield. Reader, I married him. <laughs> and so today, the lesbian liberal women's studies professor is now a pastor's wife in a conservative church who homeschool their four adopted children. Now I can't promise marriage and kids to every gay person, but I can promise that for all who come to Christ, there's change, there's hope, there's joy on the narrow road, on the narrow road. Let's pray.